Uh, if you have your Bibles, we're going to be turning to 1 Chronicles chapter 28, verses 19. Uh, we're going to be taking six observations from one scripture as we talk about the future of our church and the launch of what we're calling our Legacy Fund. Uh, we're thankful that God uh, has allowed this church, Parkway, First Assembly of God of Grants Pass. Uh, we can trace our roots back almost 100 years, and I am thankful for a faith-filled, rich-filled history that has taught us to live uh, in, in the front lines of what God is doing in a community and a region for revival. And what we don't want is we don't want the thing that God started 100 years ago in this valley to end. We want to be able to champion it for the next generation. You know, Christianity is really just a generation away of becoming extinct. And we've got to recognize our role and responsibility of spreading the gospel, not just all over the world, but especially in Grants Pass and Josephine County. We are in desperate need of a move of God in this valley. Desperate need. Desperate need. I, I um, woke up in the middle of the night, uh, as sometimes I often do. The Lord uh, just sometimes abrupts my sleep. And uh, when, we, when we get to heaven one day, I'm going to ask him why he does that. Because I really like to sleep. I like my sleep. Um, but man, I heard him say something that I really had never uh, heard him say to me before. And he said, you know, Jay, it's the fire that burns away the dross. And it's your job to fan the flame. It's not your job to burn away the dross or what's wrong in the church or what's wrong with Christians. It's your job just to fan the flame. And it's a flame's job to be able to burn the dross away that's wrong in the church. And so I think oftentimes those of us that are, that are armchair quarterbacks on what God is doing, we oftentimes want to do God's job for him. We want to point out all the things that are wrong with the American church. We want to point out all the things that are wrong with our own church. We want to... We want to a nitpick about the worship team or the pastor. And I, I'm not just talking about you, I'm talking about me. Uh, no one nitpicks me as much as I nitpick me. I'll go home today and I'll, uh, I'll replay the conversation that I'm getting ready to have with you and go, why did I say that? Why did I do that? What was going on? Um, but we have to be careful that we're not trying to, to, to help as that one man did the Ark of the Covenant in the Old Testament where the Ark started to fall and he tried to prop up what represented God's spirit. And you know what happened to him? He died. And so we got to be careful in the church that we do not try to, to do God's job. We just do our job. And so each of us have a responsibility not to provide the flame, but to provide the fanning of the flame, stirring up the gift of God that is inside of us to be able to reach a world that's in desperate need of the message of hope. It's, it's really the, the, the message of the cross, how important it is for us to be able to steward uh, the revival that God wants to bring this valley. Then there's a second thing he told me this morning. Um, I don't know if you guys have ever read that book, uh, God Chasers by, by um, uh, Thomas Tenney. There was a, there was a, a moment in that, in that book, and I, I was uh, eating at a dear friend's house last night, and uh, there's a Bible study group in our church that's going through it. And I had read that book many years ago. In the middle of the night, the Lord woke me up and said, there's a moment like that coming to Parkway. In chapter one, it talks about there was just a moment when the faucet turned on of his glory. And you have to know in your heart to prepare to get ready for it. I'm not talking about Christian fanaticism. I'm, I'm not talking about chasing signs and wonders. I'm talking about chasing him. Uh, the church was never meant to be this dry, dull library full of dictionary words of scripture without the experience or the tangible touch of God. Is it important to have deep knowledge? Yes. Is it important to have deep obedience? Yes. 
But it's also important for our, especially for the next generation of, of young people that are being raised in church, to see the tangible moving of God's presence moving through the congregation. And so it's not something to be scared of. It's an invitation to come to. Uh, when God begins to draw his people to this, this incredible thing that is his kingdom, uh, many wonderful things begin to happen. I, I mark last week's words, and this is just me opening up this, this message because it's important for you to be on the same page as we dive in. Uh, last week, the Holy Spirit began to talk to our church about margin. And margin when it comes to our finances, but more importantly than our finances, margin when it comes to our time. Um, we are busy. Is anyone else busy? Would you give, would you give me a wave if most of you, you guys understand what busy means? Um, you know, I went from the men's breakfast yesterday to, to two basketball games in Medford with my son to, to literally pass out on the couch for 30 minutes and my son making fun of me because I was snoring too loud to waking up and going to a friend's house for dinner. I mean, we are busy. And the Lord's been dealing with this pastor about creating the margin that it's going to take to actually be part of what God's doing in this valley. Um, it is sad, but the thing that we neglect the most or is probably the, the, the greatest importance of the church. And I, this, is not, this is not me bringing condemnation. It's, it's me uh, funneling what God's been speaking to me about this church and our church. Um, we have made the, the prayer meeting the Cinderella of the church. The forgotten, the forgotten, most important thing that we should actually be doing as a church, this is supposed to be a house of prayer. And when is the last time we have set aside, when's the last time you have set aside, when is the last time corporately we've come together in a season of prayer and fasting? And I'm not just talking about token prayer and fasting. Does everyone understand what not, nodding that really means? Especially those of us who have been in church. But I believe there's going to come a place and a moment in our church where where the glory of God in concept, we know we need it, but where the glory of God in concept actually becomes a tangible representation in front of us. And that is coming in Jesus' name. It's coming because God is asking to prepare our hearts. He never, God, God never asks for margin to leave you empty-handed. He asks you to make space because he's trying to create space for him to move into your life. And so I don't know what that looks like for you business owners. I don't know what that looks like for you moms and dads. I don't know what that looks like for you retired folk. I don't, I don't know what that looks like for you young person. I just know that the Lord is prompting me to lead our church in a season where we create margin in our life for truly what he's asking and desiring of us to do. And uh, does everyone understand what, what, what the, the Holy Spirit is trying to say to your pastor? Margin is something that's going to be completely important. So Heavenly Father, I stop right here in this moment. And Father, I say, let it start with me. Father, let me learn how to say no to the many things that, that this world wants me to say yes to so that I can in turn say yes to you and what you want for my life and through this church. So, Father, I say yes. I say yes to your will and your way. Father, I pray that I'll slip away unnoticed this morning. We pray this in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody says, at the end of his life and after being denied by God the privilege of building a temple, we learn in Scripture that David hands his son Solomon the plans and makes this profound statement in 1 Chronicles chapter 28, verses 19. Here's what David said. He said, All this I have in writing as a result of the Lord's hand on me, and he has enabled me to understand all the details of his plan. I believe many of us, God has been working on our heart, and he has our heart, but do we have God's mind and what he's wanting to do in our valley? 
This short verse speaks volumes about the six levels of visionary leadership. And I'm going to borrow some words from a dear friend of mine, a superintendent in Colorado named Gene Roncone, as he labels the six, the six levels of a visionary church. The comments in between are mine, but I want to label what he pointed out in this scripture. The first is, David had a sensitive heart. David's heart was open to the leading of the Lord. His detailed plans on the temple were a direct result of God's hands on his life. He wasn't just after God's own heart. He was a man after God's own mind. In plain words, he didn't just have God's heart. He had God's strategy. I believe many churches can miss what God's wanting to do because they know what he wants to do in concept, but they don't actually know what he wants to do in, in actual practicalities and how that thing is measured out. I was talking to a, a, a person in the office in, in this week that's um, largely becoming a friend in the community. And I had this moment where I saw this, this Picasso painting over his left shoulder, almost like a snapshot of a picture that God gives you in conversations. And in this Picasso picture, I heard the Lord say, what, is, what has been abstract to you or something that you know is of me is actually now going to become stract. It's going to become the thing that you can tangibly touch. And I am so thankful that, that most of us in this room have a heart to see a move of God, and it's in its abstract form, but I believe what God is wanting to do with a congregation and through a church is take what is abstract, what doesn't have necessarily tangible features, and actually bring features to them. Does everyone understand what God's trying to do? Because we'll have conversations privately one-on-one -on -one, about the moving of the Holy Spirit and how tangibly we want to see God touch a valley. And it's in the abstract. It's in the, it's in the, it's in the out there. But I'm thankful that the move of God doesn't exist in the out there. The move of God can exist in the in there, in here. And so what we have to do as a congregation is we have to have a, a, some, some really important detailed discussions about what, in, what does indecency in an order look like. What is the move of God that God wants to bring through Parkway to a region? What does that tangibly look like? And so this morning is an invitation to dream again. It's, it's to have a sensitive heart to see what the Spirit of God is saying, not just for you personally, but for what a congregation corporately is believing God for. And let me tell you, a sensitive heart towards the local church and the things of God has been attacked in the last 10 or 15 years. The spirit of offense has risen, hasn't it? How many of us have been offended by the church or offended by a pastor or offended by a person sitting to the left or right of us? How many of us have looked like or felt like that we were overlooked? We, we felt like we were, we were under siege by the enemy and we didn't have a brother or sister in Christ to fight for us. There's a lot of similar stories that are happening in our world today when it comes to being offended in the church. And the reason why the enemy turns up or ratchets, ratchets up the, the spirit of offense is because in the spirit of offense, our heart becomes less sensitive for what God wants to do. Many of you that have, that have seen moves of God or been part of churches that have seen revival, you know what it takes to actually see it. And a lot of times you go, oh man, that's a lot of work. Do I have enough, do I have enough ump in me to get up and over what I need to get up and over. The truth is, is God is, is calling this rallying cry to believers, not just in this room, but if you're online, you understand that there is a rallying that God is trying to do with the warriors of this valley. In the place of dry bones, he's trying to bring the warriors back, back alive to the front lines. 
He's trying to bring the Spirit of God to be alive and tangible in the church because it's our part, Parkway's part. I'm not talking about the broader church. I'm talking about Parkway's part to be that Spirit-filled, life-giving, outreach and evangelism post that disciples warriors for Jesus to go win their world for the, for the sake of the kingdom. That is our part. Our part is that. But you have to understand the enemy has tried to ratchet up that place of sensitivity in your heart. And so what, what one of the, the people that have discipled me have said, you have to learn how to have rhino skin and a soft heart if you want to be part of the warrior, be a warrior in the kingdom of God. Look to your neighbor and say, rhino skin and a sensitive heart. And you cannot get those things mixed. If you start having a rhino heart, you start hating the very people that God's gifted you to reach. And so David, David had a sensitive heart. The second thing that David had was he had an anointed speech. Do you, do you understand that when you get poison in the well of your heart, your speech, the things that you say about the church become tainted? How many of us have been an armchair quarterback? And I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm lifting my hands up. And, I, and I've talked to my pastor in Vacaville in seasons of my life where I would, I would talk about the church's vision or the church's strategy as though it didn't involve me. And I would, I would badmouth. I would, I would say things. And I would say them very, very, listen to me, I would say them very spiritually. <laughs> I would say them with church ease and speak. You know what I'm saying? We know... Can we just have an honest conversation today? Like, we know we've been there. Those of us that have been in church for a long time, well, we got to pray for our pastor, you know, the, you know and I'm going to get on the phone and we're going to have the, the prayer chain gossip line that, that's getting ready to happen. We have to be careful because when we look at David's life, he had an anointed way that he talked because it wasn't coming from a poison well. It was coming from a pure place in his heart. That's why David was a man after God's own heart. It wasn't that he was perfect, but the places in his life where he needed to repent and confess of, he did. So God's not asking for a church that's perfect. He's asking for a church that's pure. And the only way that you can walk in purity, thank, thank God for Jesus, is that precious blood of the lamb that was, that was slain on that cross that, that rose from the grave in victory so that we can ask for forgiveness and this morning, it's as simple as saying, Lord, would you anoint my speech with purifying my heart? I, 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 I don't want to talk in the abstract about what God is doing in a community as though it doesn't involve me. I want, I want what you're doing to involve me and my family. We, we, when he communicated, when David communicated the heart and mind of God for his generation, he did so with a compelling and anointing from God. There was a confirming that took place, and God's plans and heart were evident for what he wanted to do in a valley, or, or in his generation. The third level was he had an enlightened mind. You know, visionary leadership enables people to understand all the details of the plan and will of God for a region. I think one of the greatest mistakes that we make in creating a plan of what God is trying to do is we talk in abstract and we don't actually get down to the details of what God is wanting to do. You know why details are tough? Because everyone has an opinion about everything. I mean, you'll talk to one generation in the church and they'll, they'll tell you the details need to look like this. And then you'll talk to the younger part of the church and the, and the younger part of the church will say, well, the details need to look like this. 
And they talk about the volume being too loud or the volume being too soft. They talk about the style of the music. They talk about the style of the, of the pastor. They talk about the way that, that ministry is taking place or the decisions that are taking place. And we wish we could have done it this way or we need to do it this way. But the, the church, I believe, has to walk in unity, not just after God's heart, but actually understanding the details of what he's wanting to do. And details by nature are messy. You ever sat down with your spouse and tried to plan a calendar out for a year? The details are messy. I mean, when we, when we start talking about our calendar for, for this next, next four weeks, and, and I'm looking at my wife, we're having a, a marriage conversation in front of everybody right now. <laughs> I mean, details by their nature are messy. But you can actually go, look, ready, for, ready for this one? You can actually talk about details with people you have a genuine love with and for. Details get really messy when the motive of your heart is wrong. That's why God says, I want to anoint your speech, I want to purify your heart, and then I want you to start talking with each other about the details of the plan, because each of us plays a part in the details. There are contractors in this room that you play a part in the detail. There are finance people that you play a part of the detail. There are the senders, and then there are the doers. There are the prayer warriors, all of us, then there are the evangelists, then there are the apostolic, then there's the prophetic, then there's the pastors and the teachers. Every one of us, if we are part of the body in the kingdom, play a part in a detail. And I'm thankful that God will give us, if we pray and we fast and we ask, he'll give us an enlightened mind about the details. Brings us to level four. There wasn't just an enlightened mind. There was divine details. There wasn't just man's plan. It wasn't like a, a it wasn't just like um, a good idea. It's one of the things that I've learned about the ministry is, is you'll, have, you'll have a lot of good ideas come your way, but good ideas do not equate God ideas. Like when you start talking about the budget and you have $1,000 to give towards a, a ministry in the church, do you give it to the ranger program? Do you give it to the youth program? Do you give it to the kids program? Do you give it to the prayer team? Do you give it to the marriage encounter? Do you give it? Not one answer is wrong, but there is a right answer. You guys tracking with me? We, we have to get to the place to where we understand what he's doing, why he wants to do it, and then as a congregation, we're not separating ourselves from each other as though the ranger program is different than the children's program, is different than the youth program, is different than the adult ministry program. No, the truth is, we are the body of Christ. From the oldest member here to the youngest member here, we are part of a family and we have to begin to ask God for his divine details for our church and for our ministry. Here's the fifth thing that we learn in this scripture is that David had inspired ink. Listen to what 1 Chronicles 28 and 19 says. I have in writing all the details of the plan. It's not the only time you see this in scripture, is it? In Habakkuk, you understand the importance of having a vision and writing it down and making it plain. I want you to listen to this statement that the Lord gave me this week. The only churches who do not put vision in written form are the ones whose vision dies with them. So not only is God going to give us a plan or a vision for the future, He's going to task a lot of us to actually sit down and actually write this vision down to make it plain. And then the sixth level of visionary leadership we find out of this scripture is that there was financial empowerment. 
All of what has been mentioned is a plan, and without financial and spiritual empowerment, it's basically a rocket without a fuel which is going nowhere. David just didn't have the plan. He was skilled and knew what it was going to take to build the plan. I love what 1 Chronicles chapter 29, verses 2 through 3 says about this plan. I want you to listen to this because you'll find some of this, some of you will find this humorous. Then King David said to the whole assembly, My son Solomon, the one whom has God, has God has chosen, ready for this one, is young and inexperienced. It is the job of the mature generation to be the sending, the sending force of the younger generation, knowing that the younger generation is young and inexperienced, but knowing that you can't accomplish God's goal outside of generations uniting. It's important that we have a generational uniting of what God wants to do in this valley, and largely we have to understand what the aim is for. The aim is not necessarily for me. The aim is not necessarily for you. The aim is for the young people, the children, the youth, the lost, the lonely, the bruised and broken in Grants Pass and Josephine County. That, Lord, you've touched me with your anointing. You've touched me with your glory. You've touched me with your power. And I'm thankful now that I can be a conduit for future generations to see the mighty acts of God in work. If you believe that, give the Lord a big round of applause in this place. Hallelujah. So we understand that the structure was being built for God and not man. So what we ask ourselves in visionary leadership is not, God, what do we want? It's, God, what do you want? No, no one in the church and with visionary leadership should ever say, this is my preference or this is my style. We should be seeking the heart of God and saying, God, what is it that you want us to build? Because you see things that we don't see. You see plans that we can't see. You, you, you know things that we don't know. Uh, we know that uh, it was personal to him. David, he was all in. We know that it was one generation empowering the next to fulfill the work. We know that it was costly, and they were willing to pay the cost because it was worth it. I love what First Chronicles 29 and 6 says. Then the leaders of the families, the officers of the tribes of Israel, the commanders of thousands and the commanders of hundreds, and the officials in charge of the kings, ready for this? They gave willingly. They gave of their time, their energy, their effort, their resources, because they, they knew. They, they, had, they had walked this road together to know that what God was trying to do uh, in their lives was something that was going to have eternal impact. There were sensitive hearts. There was anointed speech. There was enlightened minds. There was divine details. There was inspired ink. And there was financial empowerment. You and I know the, the, the mission of the church, Mark 16 and 15, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. It requires, as seen in Acts, people, just like you and me, diversity and gifting and unity and conviction, people just like you and me, using our giftings together, being united in our conviction, building structures, physical and organizational structures, utilizing resources, time and money, but most importantly, the power of the Holy Spirit breathing direction in life in the advancement of the gospel in those days. I want you to know the, the, the game plan of Scripture doesn't change through generations. The methods might change, but the messages never change. The legacy campaign, the project, it combines our faith-filled history and our here and now while developing plans 
for a promising future. You know, the church has always been here for you. And the question that the Lord wants us to ask you is, will it be here for our kids and our grandkids and our future generations? Really, in the end, this is our legacy. The Lord gave me a scripture, Psalms 145, verses 4, out of the message translation. Here's what it says. It says, generation after generation stands in all of our work, and each one tells the stories of your mighty acts. I believe the Lord gave me the structure of a plan that I want to present to you guys today. Next week, we're going to go into the details of the plan. But I want you to know that, that none of this, none of this is going to work unless we begin to turn Parkway back into a house of prayer first. The Lord's been really dealing with my wife and I to start setting Sunday nights aside and offering people who would come and join us on Sunday nights at 5 o'clock starting in March. And the details are going to be uh, forthcoming. It's obviously not mandatory. And no, if you don't come, do we think that you're not for us? But those of you who know the importance of prayer, I'm going to ask that you would begin to mark your calendars starting in March on Sunday nights in the fellowship hall to have a time of prayer, worship, unity, conversation, whatever the Lord brings in those moments to begin to discuss the details of what God wants to do in our, with our church in the future. I want you to listen to me. This is not as simple as pastor announcing a plan and then people giving and it's going to be done. That is the most basic um, lie of the enemy that if we can remodel this house, but God doesn't change our heart, we've missed so many things about what God wants to do in and through us. God can move in a barn. God don't need this church building. He doesn't need the lobby. He doesn't need God. Listen, God can do what he wants to do. And it's our job to make sure that we align with him, what he's wanting to do in this valley. And so the first thing is, yeah, give the Lord a big round of applause right there. The first, the first thing that we need to do is to, to bring some restoration and restore. You know, the best way to honor your past is to have a vision for the future. In honoring our past, we recognize the need for renewing an atmosphere where faith-filled dreams and plans take place. Uh, I had the privilege of, of when I first got here, remodeling uh, the church offices and, le and leading the charge there. And tucked away in one of the cabinets was this, this wonderful, uh, many of you guys have shared it with me, this wonderful yearbook of, of Parkway of the first 60 years. Has anyone ever read that, that or seen that, that, that book? What a beautiful, what a beautiful example of Parkway through the years, understanding that it's going to take faith and risk and trust in God to move the church forward. We didn't build this church. This church wasn't built on a swampland because people said, good decision. They built it on a swampland because God said to build it on a swampland. They built it. They built this wonderful cathedral of what God wanted to do as a, as a, as a safe place for what God was trying to do because they understood the power of faith throughout the years. Parkway has always been, uh, through the years, cutting edge. And Parkway in the future, that what God wants to do through the kingdom, through this ministry, is going to take, listen to me, it's going to take faith and trust and unity. And it's going to be in the details. But I'm thankful that he's restoring an atmosphere where we can dream again about what he wants to see in this valley. The second thing is he's, he wants us to rebuild. There is a rebuilding of its physical and organizational structures to match the dynamic church that we are created to be. 
I want you to listen to this phrase. When your building alters your ministry, your ministry needs to alter the building. When your building alters your ministry, your ministry needs to alter the building. I see many of us over the last 20 months when music gets to a certain decibel, I see many of our older saints plugging their ears, not out of disrespect, but out of the volume and the way that we have the sound set up in this, in this auditorium. I don't know if you guys have noticed, it's wrong. The sound right now, we're doing the best we can, but I don't know whoever thought of this having live sound with concrete walls. That's a problem. I mean, it's not a recipe for disaster. Now, when this building was built, it was cutting edge. It could actually have a choir up here without the use of live sound speakers. And the way that they uh, engineered this building was actually to be, uh, be used without live speakers, where you can actually have a piano and you can actually have the brass section and, and you can actually do some things. So in the, in the time that this building was built, there was absolutely, it was engineered to be cutting edge for its time. And then as the time changed, you ready for this one? As the time changed in the way that the new generation comes up and does worship, the need to alter the building changes. And so we're going to talk a little bit about, uh, next, about, next week about the details of this. But I want you to listen to this phrase the Lord wants you to, to get in your heart. When the building begins to alter the ministry, the ministry needs to take, take advantage and, and say, hey, we need to alter the building. I don't know if you guys have walked through the lobby and see those white stains that are outside of, of the walls. That's actually water weeping through our, our outside of our, our building. They're telling us that we're going to have to seal the building and, and we have to go on a, on a search on what sealing the outside or the inside of the building so that water doesn't continue to weep in. Have you guys seen the holes in our pews? We don't have any more fabric to cover the holes in our pews anymore. Um, we, 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 we really do need to begin to address some of the natural structures of our church. But I want you to hear the heart of this pastor. That's not really the reason why God wants us to start the Legacy Funder campaign. It's really restoring the environment of saying, God, what are you wanting to do with and through us in the next 15 or 20 years to rebuild a cutting-edge dynamic church? So we restore, we rebuild, and this is the goal, is that we can live in revival, allowing an atmosphere where revival in Southern Oregon multiplies. And I believe in the faith of our elders, some of our board members that have said, Pastor, revival is not coming, it's here. What we're seeing is we're seeing a miracle in motion moment where God is wanting to do the incredible through a ministry that has established what it really means to be faith-filled in life and hope and dreams to see what God wants to do in the future. Do you believe that Parkway, God has great things in the store for us in the future? If you believe it, give the Lord a big round of applause. I believe it. So my hope, this is the hope that I came as your pastor today to talk about some, some initial plans. One, the first and foremost, is I, I, wanna, I want you to consider creating some margin in your life to start joining me on Sunday nights. Um, some of the greatest moves of God that we have in our church right now actually take place in the prayer room before Sunday morning service. Have, has, does anyone know that we have prayer on Sunday mornings before service at 9 o'clock back in the prayer? I would, I would highly encourage you. This is your pastor talking. I would highly encourage you to make it a place to try to get here if you can to get here early on Sunday mornings to get back in the prayer room because nothing of significance is going to happen through this ministry or church outside of, of us being a house of prayer. And so we're going to pray on Sunday mornings from 9 to 10. 
And then we're going to come back in March and we're going to start praying together as a, as, as a group, as a core group on Sunday nights at five o'clock. There might be times when we just put a worship CD on. We get, there might be times when we don't put a worship CD on and we just pray. There might be times when my wife jumps on the piano in the fellowship hall. There might be times when God gives a word of knowledge or a word of wisdom instruction through a pastor or a trusted voice. But we are going to begin to develop some detailed plans on what actually God is wanting us to do and build and vision uh, in the future. I don't know about you, but I, I, have this, I have this thing about me that I don't believe that the church doors should ever be closed. And so one, one of the things that I, I, I am desperately after is, is to have a lobby that is actually being able to be open throughout the week where we can have worship music played, coffee in there, almost like our own outreach facility to where those doors are open that if people need to come, no matter what time of day or what time of night, that our, our church is open. I don't know about you. Have you guys been driving by and seeing the whole center being used six and seven nights a week? I am thankful for life that is returning, the, rest the restoring of activity, natural activity to our place. I'm thankful that Celebrate Recovery uses our building on Thursdays. I think they're stepping up their game and using it the next couple more nights a week. I'm thankful for the marriage, vertical marriage. How many couples do you have? 60, 30, or 30 people, 60 people in total. I'm thankful for what God's doing in vertical marriage. I'm thankful for what God's doing in the men's ministry. I'm thankful what's happening on Wednesday nights and Thursday mornings. And I'm thankful that our, at our last men's breakfast last night, or last yesterday morning, how many people did we have? 50, 60, 70? 60 something men that were in there that came out on a Saturday to see what God's doing. I'm thankful for the adult ministry that's launching through Chad and Kelly Wiltrout. I'm thankful that God is, is bringing detailed plans in place. I'm thankful for the life groups that Bear and Ricky are, 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 are steamrolling and charging forward. I'm thankful. But I do believe that what God is calling this church to is a deep season of prayer and fasting because without it, we're gonna miss what God wants to do in this place. And so here's how I wanna end the service today. I wanna end the service announcing two practical steps that I felt like the Lord was calling this pastor to. One, announcing prayer. And two, announcing that on Easter Sunday, we're gonna be taking our first legacy offering, our best one-time offering on Easter Sunday, to put into a fund where we can start to begin to help the organizational and physical structures of our church begin to meet the demand of what God is doing here. Uh, we're gonna talk a little bit about next week about the phases, but I, I, wanna, I want you to hear from my heart. The phases of our, of our remodel, our rebuild, our, our reviving of, of the ministry of Parkway, um, this is me verbal processing and we're going to have a legacy committee. We're going to, I invite you, those of you that are contractors, those of you that are inspectors, those of you guys that are, that are part of the design, the design field to contact the office, because I believe that there's a call that's going out to our church, not just for a man in a pulpit to tell everybody where we're going, but for a season for us to actually begin to meet on Sunday nights and talk together about the plans and details about what God wants to do here. Is that clear? So March the 31st, Easter Sunday, I want you to begin to pray. My family and I are going to pray. We're going to bring our best one-time offering, first-time offering for the Legacy Campaign, a miracle offering, and we're going to kick off what God's wanting us to do in this community, and we're going we're gonna to believe God for some really cool things. If you're going to believe God for some really cool things, give the Lord one more big round of applause. So thankful for it. Thankful for what he's doing. Here's how I wanted to end service today. I didn't want to end service talking about prayer. I wanted to end service 
as a church family actually praying. And so I know it might be awkward for some introverts here, but I'm going to ask us to get into to huddles of four to six or four to eight people, uh, people, family members, maybe friends around you. And I want us to take, man, no more than three to four minutes, but I want us to set the atmosphere of prayer over the ministry of Parkway and its church. And I want us to begin to ask God, God, I want you to give us clear instructions on what you want us to do as individuals, as families, to be able to see what you want us to do as a corporate body in the next coming years through Parkway and its ministries. And so would you guys stand to your feet all across this room? Would you guys, those of you guys that are maybe the extroverts in the room, would you guys look around to the people that are around you and say, all right, let's huddle up and we'll maybe the extroverts can lead and the introverts can, can pray and agree. But let's just take three to five minutes and we're going to pray as a church family about our future, about what God's asking us to do with the Legacy Campaign. You guys can lead us in a song softly. Thank you for jumping on board with this pastor and praying over our church and ministry. Um, you know, in the end, what really moved my wife and I 
There was many things, i.e. the voice of the Lord telling us to move here. Um, but what really moved us is my wife and I have had the privilege and opportunity of really being a part of two moves of God in two separate congregations. My wife's grandfather's church, uh, Dave, uh, Dave and uh, Joan Hood in Marysville, um, that talk about a move of God, that, that's where God found my family. The second move was in Vacaville and we literally started in a, a elementary school cafeteria and watched God reach the lost, the lonely, the bruised and broken. And Jaden and Jace only ever really knew what it was to actually live in revival. They didn't really actually know what it took to actually get it. And me as a, me as a father wanting to make sure that I tried to hand down what it actually truly meant to actually get in a congregation and lift us up to a place of, of experiencing a move of God. And I, I wanna be very clear here because the enemy can, can work in the margins. I am not saying that, that Parkway hasn't seen revival in the past. I'm not saying that, that Parkway hasn't seen really good, good things in its recent past. I'm saying that churches, if you're not careful, will rest on yesterday when God wants to do something so new and so exciting today. And what I'm saying, just to be clear, is our young people, this community, cannot live off of yesterday's flame. There's gotta be renewing of chasing what God wants to do in the future. And so I, I'm gonna ask my son, my oldest, as a representation of, of generations here, I'm gonna have him close us in prayer. And it's amazing how God works because I went up to him and I said, could you mind closing us in prayer? And he says, you know, Dad, this is gonna sound weird coming for me, but I feel like God placed something on my heart to share to the congregation before you got up and talked. And so he's gonna, he's gonna be obedient right here and it might, he might stutter a little bit, I might cry a little bit. Um, but I want you to share with what you just told me. Step up right here, son. Get out of the shadows and get, step up. Just share what God placed on your heart. So I feel like before he even got up and started talking about revival, I feel like the Lord started stir, stirring on my heart and said, the amount of revival that we're going to see in this valley is really going to be dependent on our obedience with what he says um, for us to do. Um, and I don't know about you guys just watching the baptisms. Um, I want to see more of that. Um, I want to see that every Sunday of people turning their lives to the Lord and miracles taking place um, and souls just getting welcomed into heaven. Um, that's what I want. It's the reason why um, represented here. It's the reason what it's a reason an example of what God's doing in this church is he's binding generations together. He's teaching me a whole bunch of lessons about language and the way that I communicate. And I want to thank you guys for your grace and mercy for allowing this first time lead pastor to walk through this. But I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, I want you to listen to me. I am more convinced today that God has called my wife and I here today than I was even 20 months ago. There is something that is that, that God is doing that God is doing that's going to bring giftings together in diversity, unity and conviction. And I am thankful that we get to show the next generation a miracle in motion, revival at the, at the ground level. And I believe that there's a day coming when the tangible presence of God is gonna be so thick here that musicians can't play, that preachers aren't gonna preach, that when people walk into this campus, 
that the presence of God is going to be so thick that they're going to answer altar calls without altar calls not even being given. And we are going to witness. We are going to witness and be able to hand down stories to this next generation that God is not done. He's just getting started. And it's not just going to be at this location. I want you to listen to me. It's going to be many locations throughout Southern Oregon. It's going to be raising up of ministers and ministries that we are going to be a launching pad, not just for a revival on, on the parkway, but revival all throughout this region because what God wants to do here is even bigger than we can even ask or think or imagine. And so I'm thankful. I'm thankful. I'm thankful for the spirit that I feel at the end of this service. This is not manipulation. I'm not asking you to give out of some kind of manipulated thing. I'm, I'm asking you to go home and pray so that on Easter Sunday, we can announce this is the seed offering for our future, the miracle offering that God wants to do. And my family and I are gonna be a part of it. We're not asking you to do something that we're not gonna be a part of, but it's for the future. It's a legacy that we can hand down. So Jaden, prayer of faith, son. As, as best as you can muster up. I want you to, I want you to even like, I think there was something prophetic about stepping out of the shadows. And I think it's not just representing you. I think it's representing your, your generation in this church. Um, that you do have a voice. That you guys aren't the future, you are the now. And there's generations that are, that are trying to do our best to honor the call of God that God's placed on our life so that your generation can see the revival that we've already seen. And that's what we're trying to do here. So you're representing a whole lot of people here today, your generation. There's no pressure, you're, no pressure. But I want you with faith to say, Lord, revival's not coming, it's here. And I want you to just allow the Lord to speak through you in this prayer. And then when you say amen, we're gonna go out and begin to pray and ask the Lord what he's gonna do through us in our midst. Would you pray? Would you just raise your hands with me as I close this in prayer? Father God, I thank you. Thank you for giving us the ability to meet together, Father. God, we pray that, God, we're believing that revival's not on its way, God, but it's already here. Father, we pray that the church would not be inside these four walls, God, but it would be out in the community, out in Grants Pass, God, that it wouldn't just be in Grants Pass, God, that be in the uh, surrounding cities and counties, Father. Father, we pray would, would church not just be on Sunday morning and not on Sunday night, not on Wednesday night, Father God, God, but it would be out all throughout the week, Father. God, God, we pray, would you just speak to us? God, would you speak to us on the direction, God? Would it not be, God, what man can make, but what, what you want? Father, we, so we pray for your blessing. God, we pray for your, God, your, pl your, uh, your plan, your will, and your purpose for our lives. Father, so we pray, would you do what only you can do? In your name, amen.